Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate his love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Um, this time last year, I was um, in Sydney for a conference and uh, I know that because I went back and had a look at my YouTube journals from last year. Week after week, for 51 weeks of last year, I did a tutorial helping people to walk through the Bible. Some of you last year did that with me as we read through the entire Bible story in a year in a chronological fashion. And at this time of the year, we were up to the story of King David, uh, reading Samuel's, a little bit of Chronicles and a whole bunch of Psalms that he wrote during his life. And it was a great thing to do. It was a great project for me personally. Uh, many of us who finished the Bible really benefited from that, gave testimonies at that time. I know some of you have started, maybe stopped, but started uh, doing it this year. Uh, those videos are always there, all right? And one of the things I want to encourage you to do this winter season is to word up. Word up. Get the scriptures into you. And that resource is always available. If you're not reading something at the moment, you can just jump online to YouTube and you can do say, you know what, this month I'm going to set myself a challenge and read the four Gospels in four weeks. I can do that. Boom. You just look at Chad's YouTube videos and go from there. Matthew, Mark, John and Luke. You might want to study the life of David. We spend five weeks reading David's stories. All those videos are on there from 1 Samuel when David is introduced to us. You might want to uh, read through Solomon's Wisdom and Song of Solomon's, you know, the, the raunchy one, and then all the books of, the, uh, the books of uh, wisdom there in, uh, in Proverbs. The point is, it's always there. And as I was thinking about winter this year, God just put onto my heart that notion of wording up. Word up, gird up your loins, strengthen ourselves in the scripture. And so today I want to uh, begin essentially a two-part mini-series on Word Up, I want to speak to you. Will I say that now? I want to speak to you about how to read the Bible. Here's the thing. Most preachers, when we talk about and need to encourage uh, people to get into the Word, we normally talk about the why behind the what. Preachers normally would get up and start a series like this, word up, uh, and talk to you about why it's important to delve into the scriptures. And there is plenty of reasons to do that. Here's seven. Number one, the word of God gives us direction in life. Psalm 119, 105, classic verse, says this, your word is a light to my feet, sorry, and a light for my path. A, light, a lamp to the feet shows me that my very next step I am to take. A light to the path lights up the bigger picture. The Word of God can do that. It can give us next step direction and big picture direction at once. That is one of the reasons you need to be in the Word. Romans 12 verse 2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can be able to test the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. The Word of God reveals God's will for us. It transforms, Greek word metamorphosis, you get the idea, 
say it Greek, uh, you transform your mind. The Word of God shows us God's will. Hebrews 1 says that in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets, marrying time in various ways, but in his last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir things, and he, through him, he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. If you want a picture of what God is like, you look at Jesus. And if you want to look at Jesus, one of the best places to go looking for him is in the scripture. Look at Jesus and you will see an exact representation of what God is like. Jesus, God made flesh, shows us what God is like and shows us what we can be like as we walk, as Jesus walked. Matthew 4, Jesus fasting 40 days and nights. He was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written. This teaches us that the word of God is important to combat our enemy, but it also teaches us this. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word of God sustains us. Jesus himself said, my words are spirit and they are life truth life yep spirit and life okay so the word of god sustains us and it is a great weapon to use in the face of our enemy hebrews 4:12 says this for the word of god is active and alive sharper than any double-edged sword it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow judging the thoughts and attitudes of the heart the scriptures are able to discern when we're in a place where we need to discern something that looks very similar spirit and soul gee sometimes it's hard to tell them apart Joints and marrow, they're so intertwined. I just can't really work out how to deal precisely with this issue. Well, the Word of God can give us wisdom to have incredible discernment into situations like that. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What does the Scripture do? It equips us for doing God's works. It equips us for doing good works in your business. It equips us for doing good work in your school. It equips us for doing good work around the home. Instructions on how to do the dishes properly. Right there, somewhere, I'm sure. All Scripture is God-breathed and equips us for every good work. And Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on His Word day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers a prosperous fruitful life follows a person who meditates on the word of god and so typically when a preacher gets up and wants to encourage you to get into the scripture they will quote verses like this and encourage you to see why it's important to get into the word and knowing the why behind the what is important knowing why we should do something is a motivating factor but if we only know the why and we do not know how to go about something actually just telling people why you should do something can actually have the opposite effect and it can become very debilitating because you know what most of us know we should be in the Bible. Most of us know we should exercise. Most of us know we should eat properly. Most of us know we should budget and handle our finances well. Most of us know we should give time and attention to valuable relationships. Most of us know this, 
most of us know these things and it's not just enough to know why sometimes just being told this is why you should do this actually debilitates us what we actually need to be encouraged and empowered is to be told here's practically how you can go about this not you should do this but you can not just you should word up but you can word up you know the biggest selling book in australia two years ago a guy called Scott Pape, and he wrote a book called The Barefoot Investor. How many of you have heard of The Barefoot Investor? There you go. Okay. Over a million copies sold in a nation that has only 25 million people. So that's pretty significant. His book on family budgeting, Barefoot Investor, outsold Jamie Oliver, The Diary of a Wimpy Kid, okay? Dan Brown, Lee Child, Leanne Moriarty, his book outsold all those big and classic authors and all he did was write a practical book about household budgeting. So practical that he literally gives instructions there about couples or people in families going out to dinner, setting a date night and saying, here are the three things you're to talk about. In fact, go to a Mexican place and talk about these things. That's how, pra and then while you're there, plan a meeting for two weeks' time at 6.30 where you're going to go to a Chinese place and talk about these things. That's how practical he gets. He doesn't spend much time telling people why they should budget because almost everybody already knows we need, it's important to handle money well. What people need to hear to really encourage them is to know not I should do it, but oh, I can do that. I can actually do that. Now that you've shown me how, I can do that thing. Come on. So the same thing today. I'm not here to tell you you should word up. I'd like to encourage you and have you walk out of here today going, or the next two weeks saying, I know I can word up. I can do that. I know how to read the Bible for myself. And that seems to me to be one of the main roles of what an Ephesians 4 teacher or preacher or whatever should do. It's to equip people to minister for themselves. My job primarily, as much as I love teaching the Bible, is not to teach the scripture, but my, one of my major passions is to help others learn the scriptures for themselves. And so I want to spend two weeks encouraging you to word up and giving you some very practical ways of how you can go about reading the scriptures for yourself. That's where we're going. You with me? And like in very Chad style, I've got an acronym, I've got points, it's going to, uh, no, don't moan. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. But actually, today may not be as practical as, as the others because, as they often say, the heart of the issue is an issue of the heart. And the first thing I want to emphasize, and I'll spend most of my time on this today, in how to approach the scriptures is A, to approach the Bible with appreciation to approach our Bible reading with gratitude, to approach our scriptures with thanksgiving. Everyone say, appreciation. Here's where we're going in two weeks. A-E-I-O-U. You can go home at lunch and see if you know where I'm going in the next two weeks, but that, that's your clue. Be grateful. You know, most of us, when we have either developed our own tradition or maybe we grew up in a family that had a tradition where when you sit down at a meal time, one of the first things you do is you give thanks. You start by 
saying grace. Um, Georgina came up to me earlier in our pre-service prayer time and said, I just feel like we're having, going into a season where God wants to uh, give us some really solid food. Oh, that's interesting. I'm preaching on the eating the word today. Okay, that, that's good. She's a big medieval banquet, like big, big fatty meats and, and big vegetables. Um, and, uh, you know, before you partake of a meal, most of us have developed a habit and we know it is a good thing just to stop and give thanks. You've all heard the story about the, uh, the man who encountered the big grizzly bear in the woods, right? Walking through the woods, big grizzly bear walks out, angry, hungry, eyes off this, this, this bush trekker, and the guy freaks out. He says, oh Lord, change this bear's heart. Please meet him like you did with Paul on the Damascus Road. Just change him, Lord. Convert him. Turn that bear into a Christian. He opened, the bear gets down on his knees, puts his paws together. Says, for what I'm about to receive, may the Lord make me truly grateful. So we give thanks before we eat. And it's the same with the scriptures. One of the first thing we do is we open our Bibles. One of the first thing we should do is stop say, Lord, for what I'm about to receive, may the Lord make me truly grateful. I appreciate this word. There's many scriptures that talk about eating the scroll, eating God's word. And the first thing we, we should do, I believe, is say thank you. Some people call the parable of the sower the parable of all parables because Jesus says there, if you don't get this one, you're not going to get the others. So you better pay attention, boys. And so that's why Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell this parable. It's kind of rare for all three Gospels to tell a big parable like this, but they do, the parable of the sower. And most of you know the story, so I won't read it out loud today, but eventually there's four elements to it. There's a sower who has seed, same sower, same seed, but there's four different types of soil, and because of that, there are four different degrees of success. The sower has exactly the same seed and give each soil the same opportunity. But the soil determines the success. And those four soils, one of course is trodden down, it's hard and it just gets stolen. The seed falls on it and gets taken away instantly. The second one has a little bit of soil but not much and so while it takes root, the sun scorches it the moment the next morning comes. The third type of soil is interesting, it's actually very fertile because it grows good seed and it grows really, really, really good weeds. So it's actually fertile soil. But this soil has a problem in that it focuses its attention on both the good and the bad. It gives equal investment to the thorny weed and to the farmer's seed. So it's, fertile, it's good fertile soil, but it's not focused. It, it gives its investment the thorny weeds and so the weeds grow up and end up taking over the good stuff and then finally Jesus finishes with the fourth type and he says this is the one that's not only fertile but it's also good soil good fertile with perseverance produces a crop and he explains this as many of you know by talking about the human heart four conditions of a human heart and he said while God the farmer will invest into anyone that the condition of the heart would determine how fruitful that seed is. Now, I read that one day and I did the daring thing that most of you really should do whenever you read the Bible. 
and ask questions. This is how you learn. And I said, well, Lord, how do I know if I've got a good fertile heart and how can I make sure I'm one of those people? Because he doesn't actually tell us how to have a good and fertile heart. He just says, if you've got one of those, then you'll produce good seed. So he kind of leaves people hanging. Or he leaves us to search out the answer for ourselves. And I knew that I had some personal responsibility for my heart because I've read the book of Hebrews. And in the book of Hebrews, we know it talks a lot about making sure you do not harden your heart. So we do have some level of responsibility for the condition of our heart as we receive God's word. Let's read this in Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3 and 4 are all about this. He says in verse 12 of Hebrews 3, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So that our hearts, this says, can become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And we have responsibility one to another to encourage each other so our hearts don't become hard. That begs the question. Encourage one another with what? What type of encouragement do you need that will make sure that our hearts do not become hard? And how do I encourage others? With what truth do I encourage them with? And how do I encourage myself to make sure that my heart doesn't grow hard? How do I take responsibility for that and don't become like the children of Israel in the Old Testament who hardened their hearts and therefore didn't enter the promised land? That's the whole story there in Hebrews 3 and 4. And then I turned to Colossians. And I read this. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love you have for all the saints. The faith and the love that spring from the hope that's stored up for you in heaven that you've already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. Do you hear this? The gospel has come to you, Colossians. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. In other words, the seed is producing fruit, which means it's found good soil. Just as it's been doing among you ever since the day you heard the word and understood God's grace in all its truth. Other translations there say, ever since the day you heard it, and came to appreciate God's grace. Could the key to a fertile heart be, I hear the word, and as I hear the word, I appreciate God's grace. I appreciate God's grace, and it is in appreciating God's grace, understanding that God is good to me, Understanding I don't deserve how good he is. <laughs> Understanding he is good because he is good, not because I am good. Is it possible that appreciating how good God is in and of himself is the key to having a heart that is fertile when that seed comes? After all, when the Hebrews writer says, do not become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, what was so deceitful about sin? It was the snake telling Adam and Eve, all these trees God has given you, but is not as good as you think he is. He's holding out on you by saying you can't have that one. 
God is holding back on you. You can do better. You can do better than what God's given you. God's not as good as you think he is. Isn't this the age-old lesson? God is generous, God is good, God is kind, and in his goodness and his kindness, he gives the freedom to make a choice, and the deception is, God must be holding back something from me. And God's saying, no, 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 it's just poisonous. It's just not good for you. I'm telling you not to do it because it will hurt you and it will harm you. No, 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 no. Maybe God is withholding something from me, and I'll only find true freedom and completeness if I taste of the very thing he's asked me not to. No, 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 no. An attitude of gratitude, appreciating God's grace, says I'm going to focus on all that great stuff that God has given to me and trust him that is better than I could ever imagine that he is and he is wiser than I am, so I trust him when he gives a limitation. Understanding and appreciating God's grace. So when the seed of the word of God comes, it finds good soil in our heart appreciation coming to the word and saying God I thank you you are so good I believe that is the key to a fertile heart and so the writer of Hebrews finishes his letter by saying this in Hebrews chapter 13 he says Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever so don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings because it is good for our heart to be strengthened by grace how are our hearts strengthened by grace not by all sorts of teachings and ceremonial foods and rituals and realities i'll get god to like me more if i just perform these ceremonies well no you know what will strengthen your heart you know what will cause you to have a good heart you know what will help you avoid the hardened heart i warned you about in chapter three and four it's encouraging one another in the grace of god encouraging one another to have an attitude of gratitude for God's goodness and his grace. It's what Paul closes his letter to the Thessalonians. He says, 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 4, we have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. We have confidence as we've spoken things to you, fruit will come. You'll continue to, to see that word produce fruit. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. How can I be confident that you're going to be obedient with the word I've spoken? Because I'm pronouncing over you, your heart is established in God's love. Your heart is established, not in your love for him. Here's what God says you can do. Now, prove you love him by doing it. No. Here's what God says you can do. And I want to tell you, he loves you so much. Preparing soil that is rooted, that acknowledges and appreciates God's grace, that prepares the soil to receive God's word. I don't have time to read it, but in 2 Peter, he talks about maturing and growing, and he says those who don't mature in the characters, characteristics of Christ do so. They stop maturing because they've forgotten they've been cleansed of their past sin. They've forgotten how awesome God's grace is. And when you forget how thankful and awesome and appreciative I am for what God has done for me. You actually stop maturing and adding fruitfulness to your life. I will not apologize for hounding on or going back to the wonder of the cross of Christ and of his glorious grace revealed to us because that generating appreciation in your heart 
positions you that whenever God speaks to you, you know, yes, I can trust that God. I'll do what he says. I can trust him because he know, I know I'm convinced he wants what's best for me. I appreciate his goodness. Okay? So I want to encourage you today as you read the scripture. What's the point? For what I'm about to receive, Lord, I am truly grateful. Issue, part of the issue is the issue of the heart. I'm going to get practical later on. I'm going to talk about certain methods of Bible study, certain ways to read and understand the scripture. But the heart of the issue is an issue of the heart. Next time you open your Bible, stop and give thanks. Say, Lord, I'm really grateful because acknowledging and appreciating God's grace is the key to prepare a heart to receive his word. So that like Mary, when the word of God comes to you, when the seed of God comes to you, you can take that seed and treasure it and say, I don't quite know how this is going to happen, but Lord, I know you're good. I trust you. You're going to work it out. Thank you. I accept. Treasured the word in her heart and that word bore fruit. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Be grateful for the scriptures. Secondly, we'll finish with this. A. E. Whenever you open the scripture, do so with expectation. Firstly, appreciation. Thank you, God, for this meal. And, by the way, I expect it to be really good. I expect something in this meal. I mentioned this one this morning as well because it comes from Hebrews 4, which that whole story about Israel not entering the promised land because they weren't grateful, okay, because they didn't appreciate, okay, because they hardened their hearts. It says in Hebrews 4 verse 2, the message that they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Those who heard did not combine it with an expectation that God would do something. They heard it, hard hearts, no appreciation, no expectation. Our lesson is to be the opposite. God's words come to us, we're grateful and we expect something to happen. Every relationship you have has expectations, whether you're aware of it or not. And so does your relationship with God and so does your relationship with the scripture. You have expectations. My encouragement for you today is to have good ones, to be aware of what your expectations are. So, Chad style, three things. Expect God every time you open the scripture to minister to your head, to minister to your heart and to minister to your hands. Number one, to minister to your head. Romans 12, I read it before. Verse 2, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Every time you read the scripture, expect truth to encounter and engage your brain. That's why some of you should not read the Bible in the morning. Because you're not morning people. You know, oh, morning devotions. Forget it, not me. Okay, I'll read in bed at night. That's when I can focus. I'll, I'll read after three copies. That's when I can concentrate. Okay, when we come to the scripture, you just do whatever works for you. But when you come to the scripture, expect God to engage your brain. Expect your mind to be involved. Expect to learn something. And I want to say this especially to those of you who've been Christians for a while and read the Bible for a while. Just be aware of your expectation here. Because you know what it's like. I've been there and I'm sure you have as well. Of reading the Bible and going, yeah, I know that, know that, know that know that. No, no, no. Renew your expectation. There are always gems that you have not discovered yet. Expect to learn something. If that means getting a new Bible, 
I might talk about that another day, about the types of Bibles you should have. How, how do I know which Bibles to read, which translations? I've got a whole thing on that that I haven't shared with you before. I want to do that maybe in the next couple of weeks. But uh, expect God to engage your brain because you can always learn. It was one of the great things about reading through the Bible last year, having people who've read the Bible longer than, you know, far longer than me say, I learned stuff. I saw stuff I've never seen. Joan, was that you? Did you say that last year? Are you still learning? Yes. There are many identities we have as people of God. We are sons, we are saints, we are servants, we are citizens of heaven. But as long as Jesus is a good teacher, we are to remain good students. And as we open the scripture, we are to expect him to engage our brain, transform the way we think, and to see something and to hear something that engages our mind. Your mind is a good thing. Your mind is a good thing. And God wants to engage your brain and change the way you think. Secondly, expect God to minister to your heart. Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 verse 5. He said, Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but with power, the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. Deep conviction. On the day of Pentecost, it says when Peter preached, it says that the word of God pierced their hearts. Remember that? And I said, what have we got to do? What have we got to do? It pierced their hearts. And the word there in the Greek literally means to go from a place of high down. So it pierced their hearts. It pierced down their hearts. Information in the head dropped into their heart and boom, they said, we've got to do something about this. That's what conviction is. When you approach the scripture, particularly when you're reading stuff that I've read before, expect Holy Spirit to minister to your heart. Okay? To minister to your heart because that's the soul of our emotions. That is also where he wants to minister. So that the scriptures grip you with deep conviction. Yeah? Minister to your head. Minister to your heart. Expect to learn something. Expect to feel something as the Holy Spirit speaks with you. And it's one of the amazing things about opening the Bible is we never do it on our own. Some of you have read, in the last week or so have read Jay's book and or started reading it. And one of the things about reading a book where you know the author is you can ask them questions. You can say, hey, I like that bit. Oh, yeah, and they'll elaborate. I didn't include this, but how about this? So it actually really opens a book alive to you when you can speak to the author. This book is the only book that you have where the author is with you every time you read it. Author is right there and he wants to take information from the head and make it touch your heart. So expect him to do that. And again, heart issue. It's part of the reason we give thanks. Lastly, Expect him to minister the word of God to minister to your hands. Matthew, Jesus teaches in Matthew, you know the story, it's about the man who built his house on a rock. And he says this, Matthew 7, 24. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Everyone who hears and puts it into practice. I come to the scripture with an expectation of doing something about it. I come with an expectation, my mind, of learning something. I come with an expectation, my heart, of feeling something. And I come with an expectation, my hands, of doing something about it. 
Now, I'm intelligent enough to know that not the whole Bible is for me to apply because most of it's not written to me. Most of it's not written to me. Most of the scripture isn't, I'm not supposed to put it into application because it's thousands of year old history written to other people in a totally different relationship to God than what I have today. Okay? So I don't come to the Bible saying everything I read I'm going to apply. No, 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 no. I approach the Bible intelligently. I'm going to learn. I minister my heart, but I come with an expectation to put something into practice. I may not do it exactly like they did it here, but Lord, I have anticipate that you are going to speak to me about doing something about this word today. And it may not be I'm sacrificing a bull or a goat, like it says, but I may learn through that, ah, there's an application for me that looks a bit different, but I expect to apply something. And that's the attitude of my hands. My hands are at the ready as I approach the scripture, that Lord, I'm going to put something that you say to me into practice today. Amen? I expect to put it into practice. It is hearing and heeding God's word that builds strength into our life. Hearing and heeding and holding to, but that's another three-point sermon for another day. Two things as you approach the scripture. A, E, and I owe you for next week because I owe you. A, appreciation. Come to the scripture and give thanks for what I'm about to receive. Lord, I'm truly grateful. My heart is ready to receive what you have to say to me today. Thank you. And E, approach the scripture with expectation. I expect you, Lord, to teach me something in my head. I expect to feel something in my heart. And Lord, today I expect to do something about what I read. And I believe that those are three healthy expectations as we approach the scripture next week I owe you you can guess what they are but it's going to be very practical as we look at, at uh, wording up further I hope you've enjoyed today's message remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au and of course if you're ever in the area please pop in and say good day. bye